0: Welcome to the Drawing Companion podcast. In this week's episode, we talk to artist, illustrator, and educator, Becca May Collins. We talk about the craziness of her overlapping two master's level degree courses, seeking refuge in the wilderness, the contemplation of mushrooms, and Becca's time during her Havard residency. We ask why Becca draws, and how that helps process a sense of place in her work. We discuss getting back to our inner stupid while drawing, and trying to explain that to RCA examiners. We spend a little time on picking dead painters to talk about and the Sunday painters who are suddenly getting the call up from the Tate. We talk about Becca's move back to her childhood home in Wales, but not before Tom attempts to introduce live bears and wild boars into Holland Park to make them a little bit wilder. We go on to talk about categories and about the arrangement of colours and marks on a canvas. But we start by asking Becca to let us know what she's currently been up to
1: yeah so at the moment I um so pandemic hit just as I was about to go full freelance and um all my freelance jobs fell through so then of course I needed a job um and I got a call back from something I'd applied to ages ago which was a studio manager and art teacher for after school art clubs um so I went for that it's full-time salary like art job, amazing, very grateful. Um so I'm doing that full time, but I'm also teaching at some universities and doing some like higher education teaching, but that's like, you know, sporadic. Um yeah. and then also trying to maintain my drawing practice in between all of that. <laughs> so um, of course
2: you had you had that you must have had that wonderful period where you were doing nothing but drawing for mm. years. It must have been amazing. Yeah.
1: It it was amazing. I think looking back on it, I can see how stressed I was, how in my head I was about the study and the grades and the getting the masters and achieving that goal. But actually what I should have been concentrating on is the amount of time that I had to myself, to my practice. And, um, I did try, I was aware of it at the time, but it was very hard to connect genuinely to that part of it. Um, yeah, yeah, then, you
2: need to have stepped out of it to value it properly. And then the annoying thing is that you've stepped out of it. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's exactly it. I think I should have had more time in between. I could have not overlapped the two master's degrees. That could have been helpful.
2: I think that was really impressive. So you did, you had about a Rizzler paper of gap between your MAs, didn't you?
1: Yeah, it was, they actually did overlap for a term. So
2: I? one of them that's was like. That's right, I, I remember absolute madness so you're doing two ma's at the same time
1: yeah well yeah because one of them was the end of the ma which was less um less like time committed less classes i had to go to but more work that i had to do off my own back um and then one was the very beginning of something where i guess it's it's more time committed so you have to turn up to everything but um a little bit less self-initiation going on at that time so I was hoping they would balance themselves out and I guess it was the best it could have gone in Mm. terms of approach like that but like I don't recommend it there was um not hitting the ground running on that second masters um kind of affected my approach for the rest of it um and also I couldn't give the end of the first masters my complete full attention when actually that's when I needed their help that's when I needed them to be picking me for the shows, picking me to do their, right. um, their outreach, picking me for the jobs, and I had to turn those things down because of, a, like, agreements with my other course, so... Yeah.
2: They're almost like chapters, and you got your chapters kind of crossed over, so the end yeah. of the the natural conclusion of one was mixed up with the start of, of the other.
1: Yeah, so one was at the Royal Drawing School, which is very um, um practical-based, fine art-based, all about my relationship with drawing and, like, my emotions and um, coming out with these images. It was about images and drawing and the relationship with creation. Whereas the other masters was the vis- visual communication course at the Royal College of Art, which was very grounded in concept and output. Mm. And there wasn't the time for me to realise, to switch. To, it was such a different um, train of thought for them, such a different attitude needed for each. So almost um, polar
2: opposites in my in my mind yeah so. that's
1: why they wanted to do both in the first place which <laughs> is wild but yeah i would have re- i would recommend deferring for a year just defer don't worry about it just do the deferring <laughs> <laughs> do it when the time is right yeah,
0: yeah. why didn't you defer Linda, Becca? What?
1: i already deferred for a year ah. um yeah so i had to over i overlapped them because it was like a technicality really so um both of those courses had quite a, like, a low intake, quite a high application, low intake. So it was quite a low chance. Or well, I believed it was a very low chance of me getting in on both of them. So I applied to both of them, yeah. thinking that the universe would decide for me. It would choose, the world would decide for me which one was the right path for me to go down. And then I got accepted onto both at the same time. That's and what the universe decided. So
2: the universe, the universe decided that you just had sort of the most intense postgraduate art yeah. education going. Yeah. I love that.
1: Yeah, that I have to
2: really universe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did um did not appreciate it at the time. Now I can see it and all this lessons, but um, I was very angry at the universe for a little while. I think by the time I finished that second master's I was like, for God's sake, leave me alone. Stop stop oh. educating
2: me. My brain is full.
1: Oh. <laughs> I just wanted to be left alone. I just wanted someone to believe me. I think I'd had like um three years of very intense. Why? Why are you doing that? You've got to work harder, do more, try something new. I've tried something new for the last two years. Leave me alone. Let me yeah. I know now. I think oh, um
2: right. that explains why we find you wandering forests and contemplating yeah. mushrooms for quite a while yeah. after that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I think the the residencies that I went on doing those masters, they were like my refuge. They were just me doing me. And um, I almost could sink into that. I could yeah. I could really sink away from the outside world because I was so involved in everyone else the rest of the time. Yeah, so, um,
2: yeah. And trees yeah, are very to, non-judgmental.
1: Oh, they're just quiet. They just yeah. give you a little whisper.
2: <laughs> we really need to get into that. We need to move, I reckon we need to get into, like, becker in the woods what's going on. The trees are whispering. Are the mushrooms talking?
1: They're they just there giving you support, but they're being very mysterious. Like
2: Never thought of mushrooms as supportive, but I know what you mean.
1: Well, they're everywhere, aren't they? The mushrooms are just the bit above the surface and the mycelium, the actual fungus, is miles and miles underground. So they're everywhere supporting you.
2: I love the idea all the trees talk to each other, don't they? They're all interconnected by mushrooms. Yeah. It's like mushrooms yeah. is like trees' broadband.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. Isn't there that like biggest mushroom in the world somewhere in the U S and it's like 24 miles across. My whole thing about being in nature, my whole thing about making work about nature is that, so I use drawing to build my relationship with something. It makes me spend time with things. It makes me think about things a lot harder. It is my way to process what's going on around me. And the reason I'm interested in drawing nature is that I have this very like romantic idea of it. I think, I, I think I've cried in the past where I've seen, do you know that story of um, a spider will keep building the web over and over again. Like nature, birds, trees, mushrooms. Just, it seems like they're at they're at peace with when things go wrong. They're at peace that they have to do things over and over again. They're at peace with the way that things can crumble around them, and they're just they're just taking it, they're just letting it come back and go in these circles and have these forward moving spirals and they'll just let it be and I think as humans we think we're so separate we think we're so separate from that we're, we're in control of it, we're in charge but we're just a part of it and I think yeah. to ignore for me, to, ign- to ignore that we're just part of this forward moving spiral of nature
2: we, t- we, we talked about that once in, in the past, we talked about creating within creation and how you are part of that creation so making a picture is like a bird making a nest yeah it's what we do to understand everything
1: to me that's what that's what drawing and, and image making is about so um images are my thing so it's not necessarily drawing or painting it's about images and you cannot exclude the presence of the person in the image that they've made like even if you're a professional commercial illustrator And um, you're very good at at achieving what the client wants. You're very good at understanding that. The reason you're very good at understanding that is because you've done it. You as a person have processed that in the, I'm doing air quotes, air quotes, correct way. And I think, yeah, so making these images of nature, it's like filling that circle. Like you said, Tom, like building a nest, I'm building, a physical version of my position in the world.
0: Yeah.
1: That also, also gives me the opportunity to share it, which I think is
0: yeah quite nice. Place has always been really important to you, though, hasn't it? Even from like back in Plymouth, play, place was always something that was present in your work. Do you th- do you think it's always been there?
1: Yeah, I think I can I think I can look all the way back to projects that I would have done in first year. I think you set a project where we had to go out and about and draw. And I look back at that project and what well, I was 19 and I still go back to it and be like, well, that was it. I, I got it. Then that was, that was it yeah. going out walking and drawing what I saw processing it through image making over and over again. I just didn't know it. I just couldn't see it at the time, but it was obviously there. And by the time I did that Bear Island project, which was all about processing my relationship with a specific site, um, it became more obvious and then obviously as time has gone on through my studies and through my work since then i can i can see more and more that that is what it's about is is this sense of place um do you want a definition of, or my definition of place versus space or something
2: yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> for the listener for, for the listener. <laughs> um so <laughs> the way uh Space and place are these very complex ideas. I think people have studied them for ages and ages, trying to define them. But um, there are loads of different ways of doing it. But what they all have in common, really, is that place is the presence of people and space is without people. So you can understand space as an occupied site, an occupied space. It doesn't have a specific job and you don't have a specific opinion about it. But when you have a place, it requires your presence as a person. It requires people or any living being doing something to give it a purpose or a job. Mm. And or um, you've transformed this beach in on the South Devon coast from just a beach with some sand and some waves to this place that you um felt sad at once. And turned happy again because he spoke to your friend on the phone. And now it's associated with this like, transformation of feeling. And now mm. that, what, that's what makes it become a place. That's the difference between space and place. Mm. And obviously there are different scales of that. Mine is incredibly romantic and artistic and um, personal and sentimental in that sense, yeah. but- um, Good.
2: So you're, by sentimental, you mean you're operating with your heart more than your head? Is that what you mean?
1: Yeah, for sure. A lot of like intuition yeah um lot of like retrospect
2: it's funny that sense of place thing i can't help but think does a bird have a sense of place i mean birds have incredible maps mm. in their brains all animals do animals have are oh, we we are a bit different humans are a bit different we yeah. uh, can a bird do that same thing that you described go to a beach feel a bit sad make associations with that beach and then when it returns to it I think we are different. I know we act arrogant about it because we're humans. We, we're we like, oh, we're better than everything else. And we're not, but we're definitely different because we can do stuff like that. We can. I don't know if birds have poetry. I don't know why I keep going about birds, animals, creatures. The badgers told jokes. Do they have poems? <laughs>
0: Well, some animals do and some animals.
2: They record, and also what animals don't do is they don't record where they've been. They don't give a shit, do they? I don't know, do they? Well, they leave a nest to record of where they've been. Yeah, but it's, they don't then have a complicated marketing system where the best nests go into <laughs> little white rooms where everyone looks at them and then <laughs> <just> buys <some. laughs> them. So I I'm just being silly, but... No, I mean, <coughs> we are. But sorry, the point. I suppose the point I was making was, was that we are a bit different.
1: Yeah, I think I think we we are a bit different. I think I would I would love to know what would happen if you, well, I guess we've got it in dogs and cats. Do you want know to fulfil that hierarchy of needs? Like maybe a bird's understanding of places around food and shelter
0: mm. because
1: they are desperate for food and shelter, but when now that we've sorted out the food and shelter part, we're getting higher and higher. So we associate it with these things that are higher and higher, higher and higher on that hierarchy of needs. Mm. But um I don't know, yeah, I'm getting maybe too so.
2: in that case, so from what you're so- yeah. what you're saying, Becky, if I'm understanding it right, is that my cat should be making some art.
1: <laughs> no, no, that's literally what I just said. Like yeah. like I just understood what I've just put out there. Um, <laughs> Dogs should be making art.
2: <laughs> yeah, because because what's their excuse? They got nothing else to do. No, maybe
1: no. that's what's going on next. There are those like elephants that paint with their trunks.
2: Yeah, and there's cats that can paint, and they're not very good painting. The animals? <laughs> it's a bit like drawing. we were talking about drawing machines the other week, and getting all excited about it, but actually, they're late about you. You went to the Royal college. You love about drawing machines coming out of your ears.
1: Oh my god, I'm sick of drawing machines. I think you know, like the talking about the concept of drawing. I think maybe every lecture we had at the Royal College was about some kind of AI.
0: Oh really? Wow. Yeah. Okay.
1: It was a lot. That's what it was always about. Like where's the line between um art and not art?
2: There's a good question you've asked yourself.
1: No, don't let's not. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to go. Oh, okay. No. <laughs>
0: This is where we took our break. When we came back, we were talking about something completely different. Isn't it
2: funny? Where like you go to record something and draw it in nature, but you never really capture it. You get something like, and I've looked at your pictures and thought, oh, she really nailed that mushroom. But I haven't seen the mushroom, so I don't know. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> or when I do seascapes, I never come close. Never come close.
1: Has anyone ever? People talk about Turner. We don't know. We've got no yeah, idea. We
2: couldn't see what he was drawing, could we? I think yeah. those guys were a bit made up. I don't know.
1: Oh god, they're Who all knows? made up. They're all like they're all made up. If you get his sketchbook, get some, print out some of his sketchbooks, go to where they are. They are like mad exaggerated. He's like really gone for it. That's what I'm saying about the presence of people.
2: When he wasn't, I'll tell you something you might not know, although if you've looked at his sketchbooks, you will know. This came up the other day, didn't it, in our previous interview. Mucky drawings.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Uh, Down in Margate, right, with his mistresses. Is
0: that where it was? Okay. We were speculating about where they'd come from. I guess' I'm, what I'm kind of interested in what you were talking about earlier is like we all go for a walk in the in nature and experience it and we're like, yeah, this is beautiful, this is great. yeah what compels you to, to draw to draw it? What, what difference does does the drawing make?
1: So I think this is actually quite an interesting question because if I think about it, the reason I want to draw it is like very very formal, practical aspect. I want to draw it because I think the shape of mushrooms are really cool. Because I think it'd be really nice to make that like sweeping shape trying to occupy that space with one line that is the edge of the cap of the mushroom or drawing trees is interesting Mm. because because what I found when I draw trees is you have to draw everything but the tree you have to concentrate or I have to concentrate on the negative space of the tree to draw Mm. the tree.
2: Proper. You're making design decisions about negative space and form. I think I'd do that as well. I'm sort of just using nature as a sort of set a response board. Somehow. I don't know.
1: I think that's what it that's what kind of encourages you to do. And like like what we were just saying about it being like a peaceful. Well, I was saying about it being peaceful or supportive. Mm. Because it's peaceful and supportive. I'm doing air quotes again for <laughs> podcast format. It is... Because it's peaceful and supportive, you can explore those formal aspects. You can be drawn in and drawn in by mm-hmm. things like negative space or line or shape and stay there because there's nothing to tell you to go otherwise. I think sometimes when I'm drawing, if you're drawing a portrait of a person, it can be so hard to stay on topic of the formal aspects, like ac- like trying to be accurate or thinking about mm-hmm. the form of it because you can be so do- distracted by oh my god it's a person it's a portrait I have to do it that person will then have an opinion on what I've drawn people are going to question me about certain aspects but nature I
2: see what you mean yeah like drawing Whereas mushroom your mushrooms don't care
1: no he's just hanging out yeah he's just there for you being yeah.
2: supportive I see what yeah. you mean so <laughs> yeah. they are supportive so one of your one of your really interesting subjects that I just didn't say this as a subject at all until you painted it and then I thought this is a really great subject was logs. Like fallen oh, log?
1: Yeah.
2: Like, so to carry on the theme, are you, when you look at the fallen logs, have they got a metaphorical power to them? Or from what you're saying, is it more that that's just a really interesting set of forms? Or not just, i remove the just, that they are an interesting set of tubes, as Picasso might put it. A bunch yeah. of tubes lying yeah. in a rectangle.
1: <laughs> yeah, so... This is what I find really interesting actually. That's what the whole Havod residency ended up being. So Havod is this um, estate in mid Wales um, and it's got loads of history. And I didn't know any of this history when I arrived. I learned it all either when I was there or after I was there doing some readings. And I would go walking around the estate and I'd draw as I went or I'd take photographs and then come back to the studio and work on things. And I just go with my gut like i was saying that was my time to just do me just yeah just do what i wanted and i did really use that intuition in that just just like desire just like well oh, i'll do that and i wanted mm. to paint the tree logs that's like i was so interested in the in the logs that were lying around and the tree stumps and things like that and mm. initially when i was painting them i think it was because of the formal aspects i was quite interested in um, the edges Lot of edges, all tangled together. Um, With
2: yeah, I could see that in the work. Yeah, you draw you you draw you were drawing attention to the edges of the forms.
1: Yeah, so that's because that's all these tangled things together, but like surrounded by something that was so tangled that you couldn't find the edges anymore. Hmm. So that's what was interesting. But then, as I learned about the site, about the history of the Havod. Um, I found out that there's this this horrible relationship with the logging and the trees. It's really like oh. um tortured uh dramatic history with the logs, and it's almost as if my intuition and my relationship with that those formal aspects knew or like was was picking up on this yeah. once this history, this emotion.
2: Fascinating. I could figure so you've that got, out. You're going to have to tell us then. You're going to have to tell us. What is this What is this relationship? What's going yeah. down?
1: So um, the, it's, it's really long. So back in Turner's day, this is why I know about Turner as well, that site was a stately home. It was like somebody's very fancy house. And um, people who liked the picturesque, like Turner and like um, Constable, loved it. They would go there to draw it and think about dramatic things and things like that. And it was known for being this really beautiful place. Then there was a fire in the house and the house burned down and the family who lived there had to pay to have the house rebuilt. So they didn't have enough money to do that. So they sold the land off to the forestry commission at some point. My, my timeline isn't quite right, but at some point it got sold off to the forestry commission um, yeah. who planted this monoculture over the whole of this really beautiful, steep-sided, really dramatic, um, mysterious land. Um, because it's so steep-sided... So when
2: you say monoculture, you're talking just fir trees, fir trees, fir trees, yeah, fir trees. Yeah, so non-native species.
1: Yeah. I think it's Norwegian pine or something.
2: Yeah, um, yeah.
1: All over. And because it's so steep-sided, they couldn't log the trees. It was too. It was too expensive and hard to fell those trees and send them off. So basically it's just been staying there, it's just been there with this like um, monoculture of trees that never became lucrative. Um, so now there's a Havard Trust um, and they're a charity who are focusing on restoring the estate back to what it was like with the picturesque. With Oh, OK. Um, and they're felling the trees and that's what all the piles of logs are, is them trying to reclaim the estate.
2: So you massively, I see, that's so cool. So you massively picked up, you exactly did what you just said. You massively picked up somehow um, a perfect response.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> that's brilliant.
1: And, and I think that's what, that's what drawing can do. That's what being on site and thinking about images can do is when you, when you it's a language I and mean, we've said that right from the beginning mm. of my drawing studies, it, it's a language and it's, it's just not verbal. And so it's in these drawings that I'm doing, in these paintings that I'm doing, you lay them all out and you spend a bit of time looking at them. And you're like, why am I so interested in those logs? And it could be that I really like the edges, but then why am I so sustained in that interest? Mm. Well, there's got to be something else. And then turns out it was there was this nuance, this story that I was picking up on.
2: You could have imposed your own story upon it, of course. You could have said, oh, well, yeah, and it's all about, I don't know, death. Yeah, you know, sure. All, the tree stumps represent death and thus they're all about death and there you go but it's interesting that you didn't do that you just stuck to your guns and waited for the knowledge to come
1: yeah I think it's about maybe I could say that I'm being really actively open but to be honest I think it's uh but probably naivety and um more than anything yeah. else um, maybe
2: naivety no, is the challenge in joining in nature maybe it's you've sort of got to get back to your your inner bird or your inner squirrel or your inner mushroom you know like by which i mean sort of be stupid mm-hmm. it's not an intellectual activity it is but it, it, you sort of got to go in there a bit like ooh, 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 you know like kind of not innocent or naive, just, just stupid. I think stupid <laughs> is the right word. Yeah. Innocent and naive sounds much more
0: charming.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't know. Well, I think there's a there's a, a. I think there is more letting go, isn't there? Like there's a bravery as well because if you're making work that we're going to show somebody, you're opening yourself up to uh, being lambasted mm. in some way, aren't you? So, the, so there's a yeah. as in that foolishness, in that, in that kind of like... Stupidity. Stupidity. There's a, there's a, brave, a braveness in that. Well, yeah, because you,
2: especially if you've just been spending three years doing <laughs> MA and you've got, like, knowledge coming out of your ear holes and you, you're like, you, it's quite brave to go, oh, right, well, to just go, right, that was that. Yeah. But... When I'm in the forest, I don't need to contextualise this. I don't need to rethink the postmodern constructivist elements of the forest yep. in the contemporary Welsh, in post-industrial, and you know what I mean?
1: Yeah. yeah. Well,
2: you just go like stupidly.
1: Ooh. You're, you're <laughs> totally right because trying to go into my exam at the RCA with all of this, with all the graphic designers and the experimental communicators, and um, they just oh, they just didn't get it. Just wouldn't let me get it. Wouldn't let themselves get it. And um, which, as
2: Dean says, is very brave. Yeah. Well, they're not. They're not. They're not, they're not able, able to tap into their inner idiot. You know I, I you
1: wish I <laughs> said that. I think. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. In the RCA, the <laughs> <in an> assessment. <laughs> you're just not able to tap into your inner idiot.
1: <laughs> I think, to to be honest, I bet that's come up in a bit of feedback <laughs> from there at some point. It was a lot, all the time, very consistently. So yeah, just let it be for a bit. I think that was my like biggest argument. By the end of that, just like let it be, let like let, let yourself make some stuff, see how it goes, and then figure it out. Like just be an idiot for a bit.
2: Paul Bloomer was talking about the tides of creativity, wasn't he? How the tides come calm and go back, and they come. And do you think maybe? it's a combination of intensive intellect and intensive lack of intellect you know you need both you needed to fill your brain in order to want to not have that anymore
1: yeah i spoke i spoke with my friend about this like just just before we met an hour ago saying that there's i couldn't have gone into the forest and noticed all of that stuff and had that relationship with it afterwards after the retrospect because i didn't know anything about it the reason i knew about thinking about nuances and thinking about this like language of um visual imagery and stuff like that is because of all the intellectual conversations I had. Yeah. Those courses and and with, the ones you
2: know. with Dean as well, which were probably less intellectual, but. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think like Dean, you had us do that Um, What is Drawing essay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And um, I read it back the other day because I found it on my old hard drive and I was like, yeah. oh, I, was oh. I might have been 20. But like I think what I was trying to write was like the guts of what I still believe now. And I guess it's only wow. what eight years later. But um,
0: yeah, brilliant.
1: Yeah,
0: those essays were so good, all of them. Were you were t-
2: going to do a book.
0: I was going to remember do. Yeah, you were going to yeah. do a, the best of. Yeah. You should.
2: You should do it. Yeah. And that was the essay title was just what is drawing. Yeah,
0: that was what I gave. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: I was going to nick it and go like and make people write about other things and other stuff I forgot to do that I was totally going to nick that idea and go like what is I don't know
0: what is editorial or what is graphic design or- yeah but it's not the same it's not the same question yeah it doesn't have the same oomph and this is why these conversations are interesting because there is no answer there is no kind of uh, one one answer that we can come up with so they're just
2: yeah there is we solved it about two weeks ago don't you remember <laughs> We totally solved it. Yeah. Drawing is a hard, I can't remember what we said, but I'm pretty sure we nailed it. And that's, we're just doing this now just for fun now. <laughs> no, you're right. We didn't get to the bottom of it. You never no. really do, do you? you don't, yeah, yeah. and then you die. Yeah. It's such a cruel, cruel life. <laughs>
1: yeah. I think or like, yeah. oh, maybe you can get to the, you can get to the bottom of it for that moment in time or for that,
2: yeah. what you
1: need at that point.
2: Yes, there's definite it. moments it of knowledge. Yeah. Yeah, and you're- yeah. And it's not as bad as we're painting it to be.
0: I think I know what drawing is for me right now today. Yeah. Mm. But in 20 years' time, I'm probably going to have a different answer. And that's cool, and that's great.
2: Yeah, the, and
1: better,
0: then- the better you look, the more you
2: see. Which you can take on two levels, can't you? That's a quote from um, American Psycho. And I think he meant the better you dress the more you will see in the world because you dress but I think he also meant the better you look the more you see so drawing is maybe looking
1: and then it also depends on your definition of looking because you can look into your memory you can look into your imagination and
2: yeah 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 you can
1: building that relationship I'm you not there you could draw
2: your dreams yeah. you could draw your dreams and every morning you could say to your partner look I've drawn my dreams and they would go oh god I'm not again <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm interested becca just, uh with you just dis- you just distinguished the difference between you make an image not a drawing or a painting
1: i think there's just a, like seems to be this ongoing discussion around what is a drawing and what is a painting right and people trying to make a difference between them and i think i like i spent ages being like what's the definition of a painting what's the definition of a drawing and where is the line And the more I use Mm. both of the mediums, the more I'm being called a painter. The more I'm being called a drawer. They're not actually that different. So I'm just avoiding. I'm just avoiding calling myself a painter or drawing Images and it is because I could draw, I could paint, I could collage. It's coming from the same place for me. Go to the drawing school, which is a whole drawing school, and everybody's a painter or gets encouraged to paint at some point in time.
2: Oh yeah. So, is that an elephant in the room or is that something they confront? Do they confront well, that
1: question? I think um, we had a task, um, and it was the only contextual task. Everything else was practical, drawing-based. And um, it was to do a 20-minute presentation on an artist. That was it, to the whole group. Um, and the, basically the only parameter for what artist you could choose is that they had to be dead.
0: Wow.
1: Uh, uh, but then obviously... Making you know, them like, a safe bet. And, like, came back at it. Um, and I maybe they dropped that now. It's been a couple of years since I've been there. But I remember there was backlash against that. And I think the whole idea was it's it's going back to the traditional... That, I think that's the concept of it as well, is that the whole school... I think Catherine Goodman, the director of the school, has had an interview with The Guardian recently, and she talks about how it's um, it does go back to... When drawing was and painting was taught as this very like skillful, um, but mm. it it obviously does have um, a contemporary take on it too because they're not getting everyone to go to anatomy classes and draw everything exactly how they see. There is room for scope in that, but the references are very traditional in that sense. I think I think that's what because you're you're writing off so many people like David Hockney, like mm. that he he's a massive point of reference for for the drawing school and their their ideologies and values. So I don't, I do not really understand why. I think it was just to give us a parameter.
2: Who did you, who did you pick?
1: Oh my God, I don't remember. Perna, Ganskabel, one of those two. I think I learned, this was right at the beginning of the drawing year and before that I didn't have very many references. And like, no, maybe a lot of the other artists I look up to are still alive. So maybe that's why I ended up going <laughs> with them is <laughs> that I have to choose someone who was dead.
2: And it's important, I think there's so many incredible contemporary painters. Almost too many. Almost oh, like
1: Yeah, saturation. There's a, there's this thing that's happened quite a lot now and I really like it. It's it's artists who are who are dead because they were artists two hundred years ago, but they were like Sunday painters and or they weren't given any recognition when they were alive because their their drawings or paintings, their images would have been like way out there. And um, now because of the like contemporary trends and the contemporary sensibilities, they're like really trendy. And yeah. uh, they're getting like revival, the are making books about them. And, but at the time it was just the, what they did on the weekend outside of work. It wasn't their thing they were aiming for. So maybe there are loads of people sitting in a corner making beautiful paintings that could be so relevant yeah. to the contemporary art scene. But also maybe they don't want to be. I think that's what that's what you gotta bring it back to, isn't it? It's about the work. Whether you could be the most professional, the best at networking, so good at pricing and being so gutsy asking people for money. But unless you've got the work to back it up, then
2: have you thought of well, what, yeah. have you thought about you? you're 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 young. What's gonna happen? You have got another what, fifty years of painting and drawing? We've um actually
1: Actually, it's been a big moment for that recently. If you want me to get into we it, I do. Um, we so finished the Royal College. Um, was desperate for some space in terms of my practice, just like leave me alone. That's what yeah. I wanted. Um, so I got offered the like managerial job in my retail job that I had to sustain me through those courses. So I took it and I did it full time for a little bit, and I just let the two days a week be doing what I wanted at the time. It was a lot of painting rocks. Like, fine, I collect a lot of random shit, so I spent a lot of time just painting that random shit, just enjoying it not being for anything, it being what it is. And then I was working towards going full freelance, like art being my job. Um, And I almost got there, but the pandemic, like I said earlier, brought me back to working full-time, still in the arts. Um, And when I first started that job, I was like, oh, do you know what? I think this might be it. It might be that I love painting, I love drawing, I love image making, but I can't take that. I can't take it being my job. I can't take the, the outside input. It needs to be mine and that's what it needs to be. So I kind of decided this time last year that um, maybe it's going to be a career in what I'm doing now, which is like studio management or um, teaching, teaching, or something like that but now I've done that for a year and now I'm like you know what maybe I can just spend the rest of my life and I remember a very very clearly remember a conversation with my best friend walking along the path outside our childhood homes when we were about GCSE so 16 I remember saying do you know what I think I could spend the rest of my life working any job that I find part-time but living my life the rest of the time whether that was drawing, painting, going traveling, doing the garden, cooking nice food, visiting friends, whatever that yeah. was. Yeah. And I've spent the last 10 years, last 12 years, going in cycles of finding a career, finding what is my purpose. But now I've realized that I was right when I was 16. Yes. I remember that. Uh, this very specific example of I want to live on the Shetland Islands and even if I work as a waitress in a cafe just to sustain myself while I'm, while I'm there I'll do it and now I've decided that actually yeah that's what I want to do
2: well I want to try we things have got, we have I have got a good contact in the Shetland Islands if you wanted to go there oh
1: yeah I was listening, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was listening to it like that's what brought that memory back to me I was like, was, remember that
2: time? That's so interesting how these podcasts feed each other. They definitely it's a long, it's a long form conversation with lots of different guests coming in. It's absolutely lovely. Do you paint? Do you paint live in forests? Do you do studies, studies on site and then fix them up when you get home? That tends to be what I do.
1: It's a real mix at the moment. So obviously we haven't been able to go. I live in London right now, and um, yeah. I haven't been able to get to the nature very much. And I'm a bit sick of the parks. They're not doing it for me anymore
2: They need to be wilder. I don't know why parks can't be basically like the countryside. Why do they have to be formal Victorian? Why can't they just be full of wild boars and bears? I mean, they've got fences. <laughs> well, they've got fences. Just fill them full of rabbits and chuck everything in there you can. A parky's gone right. I know what we need: a row of red flowers and a row of yellow flowers, and then a lawn. That's like the anti-nature, isn't it? Wilderness.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I think what's hard about parks is that um, I know the parks are different. I know that Brockwell Park has got a very different vibe to like Holland Park or something like that. Yeah. essentially, really, I'm only spending a couple of hours in each one. They're the same as well. Moving to Wales in July, giving up on London. That's what we're, we're going for. So I'm moving with my boyfriend or partner. You can decide in the editing there. Is um, he an
2: image? Is he a drawing? Is he a painting? He's not here. Either. Do
1: you know,
2: the one thing I've been thinking about all week was categories and how unfortunate and arbitrary they are and how nature doesn't have categories. And nature doesn't categorise... We categorise things. This is a drawing, this is a painting, this is a boyfriend, this is a partner. It allows us to discuss it, it allows us to have this conversation, but it's not very true.
1: Yeah. Well, it's all it's all about um, communication, isn't
2: it? yeah. yeah. And it's neither it's none of those things as they say. It's just an arrangement of materials on a canvas. Yeah. It's not it's it's not reality, it's not a painting, it's not a drawing. It's
1: I love telling that to my students. I'll be teaching beginner adult classes and someone will be getting quite frustrated that they can't get it to look like what's in front of them. And they'll be getting quite emotional, quite over the top. And because they're adults, I can go in with a bit of the concept a bit more. And my yeah. thing that I always say is, like, why, like, you don't need to care as much as you do because it is just some stuff on a paper.
2: Yeah, like, give him a Suzanne bomb.
1: Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't. <laughs> Drawing, draw, image making is stressful. Making art can be stressful. But really, yeah. in the grand scheme of things, don't let yourself go down there. Don't let yourself torture yourself and hurt yourself because it is just. Some stuff arranged in a certain way that your brain is tricked into some other stuff, into some other things.
2: Yeah. I had a lot of modernists on on my foundation course. It was taught very much like that. And they would hit you with Suzanne truth bombs and things like that just before lunch. And you'd just be finishing up. And then, like, um, one of the tutors would, would, like, Jeff would say, Oh, just wanted to mention that this isn't actually a painting. This is just an arrangement of pigment and media yeah. on a on a sheet it doesn't represent anything anyway lunch yeah. <laughs> we'd all go off with our brain scrambled eggs yeah. and it would be 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 good to do that it's, I wish that's great that you're doing that in your classes I think it's really liberating thing
1: what I find quite hard about teaching beginner adult classes sometimes is managing the expectations and I think yeah. like that is a good way to to bring it background i don't know how yeah. often they believe me i think sometimes there can be a bit of a a gap between yeah but other than like reeling reeling off my cv there's no other reason for them to believe me you <laughs> I remember you told you didn't tell us i think it was uh written down in a in a brief somewhere that um that two h pencil just throw it out the window <laughs> And I remember from then on being like, oh, I can't shouldn't
2: be using any two-h pencils. I remember I remember Dean writing that brief. And I was reading a book on German drawing. And in it there's a quote from this German guy. And he says, What is it? What was it? No, the quote is a pencil, a pencil cannot be too hard or too sharp. So eat that. I but I would say I like them all. You're all welcome in my in my global village of pencils. Nine B.
1: I remember learning about Giacometti's drawings for the first time and being like, okay, I'll start using hard pencils again. And then I did it and I was like, wow, I hate this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's like, uh, Is it like Mondrian as well? Mondrian's drawing, Giacometti's drawing. So tortured. Uh, yeah. It's mm. like, I'm not, I'm not willing to let, to let my drawing go to that place where I torture myself about getting things correct or, getting things how I want.
2: Yeah,
1: I've been drawing at night on Hampstead and Heath and wow. my, with my friend, because that was our topic of the moment, was like nighttime landscapes, trying to figure out how to not be so contrasted, like not to have something. Yeah. So we went and it was just me and him and maybe we got pulled, o- not pulled over, but like approached by the ranger, sort of like the park ranger so many times and I didn't get it. I didn't know why.
2: And he's totally not getting you either because he's not going to believe your excuse. Oh, we're just trying to discover low yeah. contrast between forms. And he's going to be like, yeah, pull the other yeah. one,
0: mate.
1: I think oh, we kept moving after that. I think we did realise after a little while, and we were like, OK, let's just keep going.
0: OK, this has been really great. Thanks, Becca. Um, one of the things that we've been told, um, maybe you can help us with, is that... Um, is we're not ending the podcast very well. And we seem to be just ending them really abruptly.